Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. I felt for a good while I want to revisit this series and uh, I'm going to call it Navigate 2.0. Uh, we taught this, this series some years ago, and I wanted to revisit again. Uh, one, because we have teenagers that's never heard it, and two, because we've had folks that, that have come that have never been in this, and I believe that the culture that we're in today, we are, we are having to simply navigate so many things that are poison, so many things that are uh, unclear, unsettled when it comes to uh, living for God in a culture like ours today. So we're going to begin with uh, talking about navigating the war zone. Tonight, lesson one is going to be navigating the war zone. It's easy, folks, to learn from, from our past because we've already been there. The difficulty with youth is they don't have much of a past. They're having to make their own decisions. And I want them to be as equipped as they possibly can. Those of us that have lived on face of planet Earth for a while have, have hopefully learned from our mistakes. Amen. Continue to learn. The future, though, before us is un. Certain, and we need to have clear values because while we value our heritage and while we admire the generations of yesterday, we should be investing in the greatest treasure that we have today, and that's in our children, grandchildren, our teens, our youth, our kids. And I think it's important that you have things in your hands to help you equip your children, equip your grandkids and be a blessing to, to those that you're around in this hour where things are so muddy and so messed up. Amen. The stress pressure of this generation is incredible. The pressure that is on this generation, every one of us, every one of us are facing enormous pressure from culture, from peers, from every which way, uh, uh, that, that it's, it's just difficult to deal with. We will, either, we will either teach our youth by design or they will fall into the clutches of Babylon by default. Let me say that again. We will either teach our youth or live ourselves by design or we'll fall into the mentality of the clutches of Babylon, that's the world system by default. You just can't ignore it. Used to be you kind of could ignore the world. You kind of could just say, you know, I'm going to go do my thing. But it's all in your face today. Everyone needs direction. Everyone needs to have a Holy Ghost GPS. A Holy Ghost GPS. Amen. So we're diving into the series in the month of September uh, with the intent to help us navigate uh, the culture wars of our present age and to be equipped to help others 
do the same. Amen. I want to invite you to stand with me, please, as we get into our, our text tonight from the book of Psalms 127, Psalm 127, and we're going to be reading here this incredible passage of Scripture, very familiar passage of Scripture, but I believe it will be a blessing to us today. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early and sit up late and to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. As arrows are in the hand of mighty men, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, for they will speak with the enemies in the gate. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word tonight. I pray, God, that you would help us to walk carefully, Lord, in this topic tonight. Lord, I ask for your, your favor. I ask, God, for your blessings. Lord, upon what we talk about, let it reach the hearts of your people. May it equip us to stand true in this hour. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. The Lord bless you. You can be seated. Where did we get the notion of family? Who originated family? Where did it come from? Anybody? God originated family. Who is it that fights real hard to redefine family? devil. I, I, I know this is, this is real deep here tonight, but God started the family. Satan fights to destroy the family. The Lord is the designer of family. And if the Lord is not the foundation of the family, then the enemy can easily come in and demolish the house, demolish the home. The mother or father who does not put God at the center of the family will find their work in vain. Let me say that again. The mother or father who does not put God in the, at the center of their family, their work is in vain. Everything we do must be centered and focused through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Building without God will bring heartache and frustration. The phrase, build the house, here in Psalm literally means to obtain children. What do you associate with the words build and labor with? What do you associate the word build and labor and things like waketh and rise up early? Building a family is a job. It is a work. It's a hard work. It's a hard, and raising teens is even more difficult. I said raising teens, I, I got a couple amens, a little patty cake. Raising teens is extremely difficult. Teens are different creatures. I say it again, teens are different creatures. 
Hallelujah. Just strange. I'm preaching now. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's one thing, by the way, talking about babies, aren't you delighted to see our new baby in the house of the Lord? Sister Micah, will you bring, bring precious Isla up here? This little baby had more hair than pastor. I don't know. The, let me see. Oh, my goodness. Hallelujah. You know, thank you for bringing her tonight. She's a great illustration about, you know, children. We, oh, blessed Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, sing a little while. Oh, tell, talk about it. It's real great. You can have these, but give it back to you so she won't. But come here, John. They grow up to be these. Hallelujah. Don't you love John? I, I love John. He's such a great young man. <laughs> mm. And so what God wants us to do is take babies as family and turn them into arrows as young people things that could be used for the kingdom of God. We're building arrows. Those of you that are raising uh, children and, and working with grandchildren, this is for the grandparents as well as the parents. Come on, grandparents. Somebody say amen. You're helping to raise and to, to grow arrows. Arrows. Thank you, John. Praise God. Thank you, Sister Micah, for bringing <laughs> that precious baby and let me use it in my, my text here tonight. <clears throat> let me just tell you today that parents raising children and producing children, it's one thing to have kids. It's another thing to develop character in kids. Develop character in kids. And I realize we have some parents here today that, that are dealing, as it were, single parents. Amen. But you can find your support system in the church to help you and, and be with you on this very perilous and pitfall journey that leads from birth to getting them out of the house. Praise God. Amen. I will tell you that when the emptiness has come your way, you might shout a time or two. I don't know, but uh, I know that I have done that. <laughs> it matters how we grow our children. Proverbs 17 and 6 says, Children's children are the crown of old men. And the glory of children are their fathers. And then in chapter 20 and verse 7 it says, The just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. There is such a blessing when, it begin, when you begin to look at being a grandparent and now your grandchildren are growing up to become what God has designed them to become. And it is the crown upon your head. Somebody, some Mimo, some, some Papa, some uh, Mimi, some 
there, there's so many names I can't keep up with all y'alls. Amen. Some grandma, some grandpa ought to say amen when you look at the possibility of your life continuing through your grandchildren that they become something powerful in the hands of the Lord. Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the room is his reward as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man. So are the children of the youth. But can I tell you, arrows don't grow on trees. They come from trees, but they don't grow on trees. Arrows have to be straightened. They have to be tempered. They have to be uh, uh, worked on to make them what they are. Arrows are not born. They are made. Children are born, but arrows are made. Investing in your children is worth it. I come across this uh, uh, understanding about making arrows. I did a little study about what it takes to make an arrow. And there are four basic steps in making a good arrow. Once a suitable limb has been selected, the process begins in these four areas of straightening, coloring, tampering, and sealing. Straightening, coloring, tempering, and sealing. Straightening. They tell us that typically the shaft material is gathered in the green state. You gather that, that branch or that part of the, the tree, that, 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 that good-looking uh, branch that is in its green straight state, and then it is straightened with heat while still green and then tied into a bundle to dry. So you've got to catch a child to make them an arrow. You've got to catch them while they're green. Don't expect little Susie and little, little Billy to do everything you want them to do when they're 12 and 13 years old. You're making arrows. But you've got to catch them when they're green. If you don't catch them when they're, you know, if, 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 if the way you raise a child when it's seven and how that child acts at seven is how it's going to act at 17. If you don't know how, if you've got, how many of you got different kind of, 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 of children in your family that are different in personality, different in, in characteristics, amen? And so you can't just take a branch and, and say, this is the way you make an arrow and this branch is going to be like that branch and, and this child is like that. Wouldn't it be great if we could cookie cutter discipline and we could cookie cut, you know, you know, punishment and and put everybody all in the same you know line them up like 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 like, like you know dominoes and go and we could get them all taken care of. But if that's not the way you do arrows, arrows have to be treated differently. You have to be willing to work on them while they're green. Well, I wish my I wish my I'm going to be very, very uh, PG-13, or uh, I'm going to stay away from the anything other than that. I'm going to be very plain with us, though, to, tonight. Your children are going to be a handful. They make you mad. They upset you. They frustrate you. It's because they're green. Don't expect them to be like you are, where you are, because you're an arrow now, but you didn't start an arrow. You started green just like they did. 
Oh, hallelujah. Now, that doesn't mean you young folks are going to get off the hook like we can just let you slide, that everything's fine, that you don't have to do any discipline. Oh, no, no, no. I'll get to you in a moment. <clears throat> For an arrow to fly straight. If you're writing, write this down. Are you ready? For an arrow to fly straight, it must be straight. For an arrow to fly straight, it must be straight. The shaft doesn't start out completely straight. They tell us that wood also bends under stress. And the shaft has to be straightened several times during the arrow making process. It has to be straightened several times during the arrow making process. The shaft may also have to be re-straightened after being shot. Oh, I shoot it and they still mess up? Come back. We're going to start on the whole process again of making them straight. We're going to make them straight. Amen. Straighten the shaft requires finding the location of the bend. Some bends are discovered visually by perceptive and trained eyes. A bend can also be located by putting the shaft in a lathe and turning it and looking for the wobble. This is accomplished by placing the hand uh, palm down under the shaft and feel the vibration of the position as the shaft turns. Some wobbles are easily seen. Other wobbles takes time. That child, that young person that you're, you're dealing with and their personality is quirky and strange and, or you've got to deal with a, 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 a situation where you feel like, well, I, I told them that before. I told them about that before. Yet they continue to wobble. They're green. You have to continue to work on straightening their shaft to make them arrow. Shafts don't straighten by themselves. It takes investment. They need correction. They need training from a skilled straightener. The Bible says, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. That means be, a, 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 be conscientious of how you deal with your children. Don't just say, well, you're just out of, out of line, out of level. But begin to work on them and try to encourage them and put them in the place where they can succeed as an arrow. The, stra the, the shaft is straightened by rubbing the outside of the bin with another piece of wood. This compresses some cells on the side and shortens them, thus bending it back in shape. The right amount of heat can also soften the wood for correcting a bin. Lord, let me walk very carefully. I believe that it is, it is still biblically correct to spank your children. Okay? I said, I believe it is biblically correct to spank your children. It is not biblically correct to abuse them. 
The Bible says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of the correction will drive it far from them. Far from them. I believe it's very important in today's world to use wisdom about how and where you apply that kind of discipline. But I think that it is important that you look at that child and say, I'm going to break your will, but not your spirit. I'm going to break your will, but not your spirit. Amen. How many of you had, had sets of kids and some of them you had to spank every day? Thank you, Sister Sister Brewer. Amen. I'll look at all these other mothers, and they're doing like this. Sister Brewer goes, one hand. Amen. Raising three boys. Mm-mm-mm. Hallelujah. You have to be very careful to know that you don't break the arrow, but you help bend that arrow. You help bend my mother probably spanked me every day. I was the baby of the family. I dare wonder what happened to those older than me. Mm. What does it take? My dad could speak a word to me and, bang, and begin to bend the, and put me back in shape. Amen. The right amount of heat has got to be applied. The right amount of pressure has got to be applied. You can't be watching your Netflix in the same time trying to spank little Johnny. Can't be distracted with something else. And don't, don't. It's a good thing to count to 10 before you spank as well. Praise the Lord. I'm talking about straightening out arrows. I'm talking about straightening out arrows. Amen. There may be some children that timeout works for them. Some kids it don't. Some you can pull away their, their phones and their iPads and their videos, and some that won't even work. And Others you've got to do other things. Amen. Isn't it fun being a parent? Isn't it fun being a, great, uh, being a grandparent and loving your kids? And, mm. But I want them to be an arrow. I want them to be an arrow. Another thing that happens to them is coloring them. Once they have been straightened, a craftsman would turn their attention to the color of the shaft. Using fine steel wool, they would rub the shaft down to make sure it was free from burrs and foreign material and smooth out uh, uh, every bit of a, of a little bit of rubble uh, or anything to, to catch the wind so it would fly through the air with ease. The smooth, straight shaft would, would be transformed, applying stain. And once the stain dries, the process may be repeated. The coloring process improved the performance and appearance of the shaft. So not only are we talking about performance, but how it looks. I'm talking about making arrows now. Then there was a tapering process. Arrows must be tapered at the end to accept glued on knocks and points and tips. And correct tapering is essential to these flying straight as, as not just accessories. The feathers are not just accessories. 
The point is not just accessories. It's meant to be effective. And then it goes on to the, to the fourth process, and that is sealing. The wood can have several coats of sealer added to it. A sealer is applied before the knocks or tips. The sealer assures that contaminants be not uh, cam- contaminants do not get into the wood. So what do you do? You have that child, you raise it up, you're straightening. You may be straightening for years, straightening with love, straightening with discipline, straightening with care, and, and straightening with them. And then all of a sudden you get to, you're fine-tuning that and you're working on it. How, how many of you know that it's not just about changing diapers and not just about taking to school? It's not just about going through the motions of being a parent and, 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 and having a a Hollywood mentality of of having a baby and having a child. It's making sure that when you have that child is ready to go off wherever that is, whether it be college or work or marriage, that when they're ready, they're ready to fly. They're ready to fly at the best of their ability. Thank God for parents that love their kids enough to tell them no. Thank God for parents that love their kids enough to say, uh, wait a while. Thank God for parents that love their children enough to take their teenage daughter aside and say, listen, we're going to make a covenant. Uh, You're going to be pure until you're married. Uh, Thank God that take uh, take a young man aside and say, you know what? You're going to be pure until you're married. Proverbs 22 and 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Uh, The Hebrew... Here for the clause, train is, is a curious statement. It refers to training a tree to grow in a certain direction. Training a child, and I've said this before a lot of times in our dedication services, but training a child, building arrows, uh, means more than merely taking them to church and letting the Sunday school staff and the pastor teach them. It is the parent's responsibility to bend their children in the right direction. You have a responsibility to give them a taste of where they need to go. A responsibility, if you put a foul taste of church in their life when they are a little taught, they're going to have a foul taste when they're a teenager. But if you will give them a taste of God that this is a great life, this is a wonderful life, this is the best life, if you'll give them that kind of taste, they'll want to be a part of it. Amen. We need to bend our children so that they grow in the right direction, in the right direction. Let's talk about the war zone. Children are not just our future. They're like arrows in our hands, and we can raise our children in the admonition and wisdom of God so that they will be victorious in the very face of hell. I'm looking at some of our our young folks today, and uh, I look at them, and John, I use you an example. I'll use you again because you're sitting right up here up front and center. Amen. I love that. But what could John be? from where he was to where he is now. Told me the other day he had 11 kids in his P7 Bible study at school. Where where are you going to be, John? What are you going to do, John? Amen. Everything that has happened to you in your life is making your arrow straight. 
It's making you so you're ready when you're shot into your purpose that you don't miss your target. Okay? But what is the reason for an arrow? To fight in the gate. According to the scripture, happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. That's not talking. That's fighting. That they are fighting. Matter of fact, the NIV says they will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. Gate speaks of authority. Gate speaks of power. What is God saying in this word is that he's saying families Make your arrows so that when the time comes, they can be used as strategic weapons for the kingdom of God. Let me, let me share with you a story from Scripture you've heard, but let me reiterate it before. The book of Judges reveals a volatile time in the history of Israel. At times, Israel did not, not do very good during the book of Judges. At times they were const- they were doing evil. Other times they were doing good. Sometimes they were doing evil, and sometimes they were doing good. In chapter four, we find Jabin, Jabin, king of Cana, and Caesarea, his general, had oppressed Israel for twenty years. God raised up a lady by the name of Deborah to become judge over Israel at this time. And God spoke to Deborah to tell her, go get Barak, the the leader of the army of Israel, and to attack Caesarea. Judges 4 and 15 says that when they did that, God discomfited Caesarea on the slopes of Mount Tabor in Judges 4 and 15. The word discomfited in the King James is a little different word than we would use. We would use today that God routed them. God crushed them. God crushed the enemy that oppressed them for 20 years when Barak went forward and attacked Caesarea. So Caesarea was a Caesarea. The army of Caesarea ran one direction and Caesarea, because that's what he was, ran in the other direction. And he went into the tent of what he thought was a, 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 a comrade. That they were they that this this particular man was the was was in concert with them, and so he he's been running, and the and the armies of Israel have been attacking, and he's wore out, and he's tired, and he walks into this tent, and and he's, can I rest here for a little while? Oh sure. The wife, the mother of the house, says, "Sure, come on in, Caesarea, come on in." The one that had oppressed the people of God for 20 years had been vicious and vile. You know what they did? They stole all the weapons of Israel. They took all their swords and all their spears for 20 years so Israel didn't have a weapon to fight with. So they needed God to discomfit them. They needed God to crush them. How many remember what happened to Caesarea? He went to sleep, and what was her name, J.L.? J.L., the wife of the house, took a tent stake and a hammer, and while he was asleep, stuck it right here, and drove it through his head to the ground. Now, 
if we get in a real deep Bible study, there was a reason I believe that God did that. One is because Barak was a little bit prideful and God wanted to show him, I'll use whoever I want to to do this, not you. Go study it sometime. It's an interesting study. And so we find Jael crushes Caesarea and the enemy is defeated and the war is ended. In the next chapter, in Judges chapter 5, Deborah puts together a song after a war, a song of victory. And in Judges chapter 5, part of that song says in verse 8, They chose new gods, then was war in the gates. Was there a spear or shield or spear seen among 40,000 in Israel? Judges 5 is a song, again, of praise, rehearsing how God delivered his people from the clutches of Jabin and Caesarea. But what is it that brought this enemy in? How did Jabin get in anyway? What was it that opened the door? Verse 8 says that when they chose new gods, then there was war in the gates. When they chose new gods, war came to the city gates. And not a shield or spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. When Israel left the worship of one true God, when they left the principles and the precepts of the Lord, they started acting like the heathen around them. And there was war in the gates. There was war in the gates. Can I tell you that while we as America was founded on Judeo-Christian values, our pop culture, our pop culture has chosen new gods among us. Our nation once followed morals based on the word of God. Now we're fighting issues and problems beyond our comprehension because we have forsaken that and we have chosen new gods. The Bible considers all life sacred. Somebody say amen. The Bible considers all life sacred. Under new gods, the culture says abortion is to be celebrated. The word of God declares that sex within the boundaries of marriage is sacred. That's what the Bible says. Under new gods, sex is reduced to just merely a biological function. The Word of God says that marriage between one man and one woman is sacred. Under new gods, marriage is now optional, and the meaning of marriage is now re-engineered to fit one's proclivities and feelings. Before you say that this is an overreaction, and all this stuff is a bunch of old-time preacher mentality and talking about this. Let me, let me just tell you what the war looks like. Every day, every day in the United States of America, 4,219 teenagers have contacted a sexually transmitted disease. Every day. Every day, 2,329 teenagers unintentionally become pregnant in America every day. 908 teenagers who didn't intend on becoming pregnant obtain abortions every day. 908 teenagers have an abortion every day in America. 1,000 adolescents begin drinking alcohol every day. 500 adolescents begin illicit drug use every day. 16,000 crimes are committed on school campuses every day. 
day. By the time a child completes elementary school, he or she would have seen 8,000 made-for-TV murders. 51% of the graduating high school seniors admitted to having used illicit drugs by the time they reached their senior year of high school. Amen. I want to tell you today, we're living in an hour where there's war in the gates. Columbia University National Center on Addiction and Substance Abuse found that 31% of high school students bring, uh, binge rather, binge a uh, drink defined as five drinks in a row at least once a month. Amen. We are living in an hour where we need to wake up and realize there is a need for arrows. I'm tired of the enemy taking our children and destroying their life before they have a chance to stick their arrow into the enemy. Amen. Through prayer. We're not fighting a natural battle, so we're not going to go get guns and spears and knives but this is a spiritual matter we're going to fall on our face before God and fight with a heart of purity I want to tell you that this this world young folks wants you to dress in a certain way because they want to make money on you not because you want to, they want you to look cool. They want your money. They, parents, they want your money. Do you realize, I just heard this today on the radio, that the, I forget what the percentage is, but just last year, I think if, if my memory serves me right, I'm going to be there about, but somewhere between 6 and 8% of public schools had, uh, um, what do you call it when they wear the same thing to school? Uniforms. Six to eight percent of public schools had uniforms. Now that number has jumped to over 20 percent in one year. That has jumped because they realize the battle for how you look is sometimes not just about fashion, but is rather about the enemy that's driving. You know, if you don't look a certain way, if you don't have the money to have have $200 pair of shoes or you don't have the you don't have what it takes to to, to look a certain way, then you're 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 put down. Don't, let me tell you, that is the enemy today. God made you the way you are. You look like you are because you're special and you're you're sacred and you're worth, amen, knowing that you matter to God. Who cares what MTV thinks? Who cares what the latest post on uh, Instagram says? That person wearing this, that person doing that, uh, amen. When it comes to boundaries today, nothing is sacred or taboo. Nothing sacred or taboo. When it comes to sex, anything goes. From heterosexual sex to homosexual sex to bi, trans, and poly, and so forth and so on. The list begins to continue to grow. A perverted sexual experiences. Sex has become an all-encompassing, cheap, meaningless quest for ever greater thrills. Not knowing that God said, I'll make it something that is special and wonderful in the confines of marriage between one man and one moment. I'm telling you today, we are living in a war zone. These kids are dealing with, and you are dealing with a war zone. We're living in an hour where identity is being confused and strained and pulled, whether we, we, whether we think, well, am I a boy or am I a girl? And so gender bending is hell's plan to try to destroy. 
There's war in the gates. And we need to get our arrows ready to be equipped to deal with this world. You say, well, it'll never concern me here in Medora. Do you know that the number one cause for death in America is abortion? Every two weeks, every 14.7 days, the equivalent of Vietnam War is killed. Every 14.7 days, 55,000 babies are aborted. And those that, that go protest and all that, God bless them. But how about let's be a church that stands up and say, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. If I can stop one, if I can stop one. Do you know that that's the enemy? Do you know that that is the enemy? Hallelujah. Today, we need to be aware of the agenda of hell and say, I'm going to make some arrows because they're going to stand up in this day and withstand the attack of the enemy. In 1987, and I want to uh, apologize for what I'm about to read because of its graphic nature, but in 1987, in the Gay Community News, a publication, Gay Community News, a person by the name of Michael Swift that was later proven to be a pseudonym for somebody else, but anyway, he wrote this about the gay revolution. He said, we shall sodomize your sons, emblems of your feeble masculinity, of your shallow dreams and vulgar lies, 1987. We shall seduce them in your schools and in your dormitories, in your gymnasiums, in your locker rooms, in your sports arenas, in your seminaries, in your youth groups, in your movie theater bathhouses, in your army bunkhouses, in your truck stops, your mail clubs, in your houses of Congress, wherever men are with men together, your sons shall become our minions and do our bidding. They shall be recast in our image. They shall come to crave and adore us. Unquote. Now, the homosexual community claims that Michael Swift, this pseudonym was a name, was intended to be satire. Conveniently stated while, uh, that this is just satire. While they claim to want only equal protection under the law, the reality is that there is an agenda from hell that equates this because it has now become a reality. When I read this back years ago and preached from it years ago, there was no reality like today. It is happening before us. Not satire, agenda. Agenda. We can't afford to bury our head in the sand and pretend there is no war. And again, this is not about the person. It's not about the people. Our love and compassion ought to go out to them. Our concern ought to go out to them. Everyone that battles these, uh, these kinds of things, we ought to have compassion for them and see them saved. And many are being changed by the power of the gospel today from a homosexual lifestyle to a heterosexual lifestyle. Many are being transformed form today. You don't hear that on the news. You don't hear that around. But what we've got to understand is that these young ladies and these young men are going to face battles that they're going to need to be straight. They need to be arrows so that they can be ready when the enemy comes. They know the truth. They know what is right. And they don't and are not swayed 
that can navigate, recognize. So what are we going to do? We're going to invest time. We're going to invest energy. We do that. Christian education, invest time, money, and energy so we can raise up arrows in this place. I want these kids to know how valuable they are, how important they are. Amen. That they're not left out to hung hung out to dry, that there's a reason why they're here, and it's because one day they're going to speak with the enemy in their gate. Hallelujah. They're going to speak with the enemy. They're going to contend with the enemy. Amen. Remember, Kate's are a place of authority. The Bible says, Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my church and the the gates of hell shall not prevail against him. Let me tell you today, you're on the winning side. Don't, don't let what the enemy says, don't let what the enemy show make you feel like, well, I'm, we're just defeated. No, 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 no. You've got the authority to walk in victory. You've got the authority to love and have compassion and concern, not to beat up or bludgeon or to condemn, but rather to love. But stand your ground. Believe what you believe and know what you believe. I'm talking about war in the gates tonight. I love a scripture. I've preached from this before. I, I didn't give you this, but let me just refer to it. In Deuteronomy 1 and 39, it talks about your little ones and your children whom you say will be victims who today have no knowledge of good and evil. They shall be in there and to them I will give it and they shall possess it. Speaking of the promised land. What is he talking to? He's talking to Joshua and 20-year-old kids. I'll give it to you. Those you said are going to be victims. Let me just tell you right now, you're not a victim, teenager. Savannah, you're not a victim. You're not a victim. Amen. I want to tell you today, you're not a victim. Zach, you're not a victim. Brandon, you're not a victim. Amen. You're not a victim today. Doesn't matter where you're coming from, what has happened to you in your past. You are you may have started out a rough piece of wood, but God wants to shape you and form you so that you're very important in his eyes. It was a 20-year-old that led the mentality, give me this mountain. I'll take this mountain. David, he's one of my heroes. How about you? <laughs> Did we enjoy uh, our brother David preaching Sunday night about, about David? Hallelujah. They said, they said, you're not able to fight. You're but a youth. You're not able to fight, you're but a youth. Can I tell you that you're still at this moment? Every one of you teenagers, listen to me. At your very age, you're already at a place in under the anointing of God. You can be used in the gift of prophecy. You can be give, used in the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues. You can be used in the gift of word of wisdom. Amen. There is no age limit. I've looked at it. I've studied it. It doesn't matter. Don't. Let no man despise your youth. Hallelujah. I love it when you're teaching Bible studies. I love it when you're setting the course. What are you doing? I'm becoming an arrow. I'm going to shoot into my future. I'm going to shoot to where I'm going. And the enemy cannot stop me. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Joash, the boy king, started revival in 2 Chronicles 34. We find that in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, the Bible said, he began to seek the God of his father David and began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of its high places. What are you doing? I don't care how old I am. I don't care how little I I may be looked upon. Amen. You may be a Josiah. You may be a young person ready to do something awesome from God. Proverbs 20 and verse 11. Proverbs 20 and verse 11. Even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure or whether it be right. Don't just say, I'm the church tomorrow. You're right now part of the kingdom of God. To those of you that are on the, the other end of the spectrum and your, your hair's a little gray or gone, don't say, well, I'm too old. I can't do it. David was a young man when he started doing something mighty for God. Moses was an old man. Moses was an old man. Don't let your age become an excuse. For why you can't be shot out of God's great bow. I need, I need a missionary in Russia. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a Mark Stumbo. I'm going to bring him over here to MPC. And I'm going to whittle on him. And I'm going to rub on him until he becomes a straight enough arrow. So that I can shoot him into Russia. I'm going to shoot him in its direction. Why? Because that's the way God does things. There's a target with your name on it. There's a target, and it's got your name on it. Would you stand with me, please? It is our duty to make sure that we train, equip, and prepare. Not just our young, but everyone to navigate this war zone that we're living in. Make no mistake, we will face the enemy, but we're not afraid of him. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power of love and a sound mind. Here's what I do know, is that, can I just talk to some of you right now that are so sensitive to the spirit that the enemy tries to flip the switch to where you're sensitive to the darkness. If you're very sensitive to God, you must guard yourself because the enemy will do his best to make sure that he'll work his way in with fear and doubt. That's why you need to be careful what you watch so that the gate doesn't open for fear to come into your life. Be sensitive to God. Be sensitive to your future. There's an arrow right there. Amen. You don't have to be a preacher to be an arrow. Just be a child. How many children we got in the house? I was a child one time. I'm, you know, 
We are all arrows. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. While our world, dear Lord Jesus, has moved towards Sodom, God, while our world today has embraced Babylon's mentality and Babylon's nature of doing things, let us be, dear God, like Daniels and and Shadrach and Meshach that stand up and say, I will be different. I will be different. I'll do what I have to do, but I'm going to be clear that I'm a child of God. Oh, if we go to school, I want to be clear that I'm a child of God. In in college and in work, wherever the place may be, I am a child of God. Amen. I want to make a difference in the war zone today. Praise you, Jesus. Let's love him right now. Let's love him in this place. Let's praise him in this place. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. The Lord give us wisdom today to be arrows in his hand, to be arrows in his hand. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I feel I want to just tell some of you this. What's happened to you in your life, the devil meant it for evil. Please hear me. The devil meant it for evil. Some of you have been abused. Some of you have been hurt and some of you have been put through the ringer in your life. I want to tell you, the devil meant it for evil. But God said, I'll take it and make you a straight arrow so that when your purpose comes, you'll go forward and do something awesome for me. Hallelujah. Your abuse doesn't define you. Your past doesn't have to define you. Your breaks, uh, 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 brokenness doesn't have to define you. But the Lord has made you something special. Praise God. I'm an arrow. And let me be used in his hands. One more time, would you love him in this place? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com. Thank you.